Welcome back to the 96 Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, the podcast edition. On my left is Logan Tyler, who is back, but not exactly better than ever. But he does have no medical equipment on him, so there's the plus side. On tonight's show, we talked about running a Q4 exhaust without a spark arrestor on a Husky 500, tips or hacks to jumpstarting a dead bike, girls running into class electric bikes having fluctuating stability, and a KLR T7 piston and ring change. And the biggest question is, will Jimmy survive to the next show? And if you're confused by all that, just like I am, you should definitely listen to the show. Hey, Logan, you know how you're always hearing that recluses are for old dudes? Yeah. Well, that's not really the case. Recluses make you a better rider. Why? Because they're like an auto clutch. It is an auto clutch. It's like you don't have to do any of the work. It does all the work for you. So whenever somebody says, oh, yeah, those are for old dudes, I just laugh and say, it's because you've never used one before or you're chicken. Do you want to be a better rider? Yeah. Okay. How would you find out about that? Uh, You can find them at www.recluse.com. And how you spell it is R-E-K-L-U-S-E. That's www.recluse.com, and uh, it'll make you a better rider out on the trail. So now here's the show. Making an appearance here again on Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Logan, this is the show where we talk about... Dirt bikes and dirt bike related products. And life experiences. Yeah. So I had a had a real interesting uh, class this weekend in the uh, Jimmy Lewis Off Road um, Training uh, Academy. That's my business that I run, right? Yeah. And uh, you weren't there because you're no. you're uh, you were still being cleared by the doctor. Yes. And I had lunch with these two guys, and they're they're like, "Where's Logan?" And I'm like, "Well, a um, uh, little under the weather and a little broken." They're like, "Yeah, yeah, we know, I know. Like, um, how come he's not here?" I'm like, well, because you know he's broken. He can't. He can't ride. I'm like, oh, we really wanted to meet him. <laughs> they watch Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. I'm like, yeah. why do you do that? <laughs> and and they're like, they're like, no, it, it's really, it's really funny. I mean, we don't care what you say about the motorcycle stuff. It's like a, it's like a, a soap opera. <laughs> you guys are always doing something kind of wacky over there. And, and uh, yeah, we really wanted to meet Logan. And and they were saying, you know, <laughs> and so they only just recently started. Uh, watching this, and I'm like, "Why do you watch it?" <laughs> like, we we watch it, and they go, they go, "Well, well, we watch it." So I, you know, I started watching. It's kind of interesting. So I'm learning a little bit here. So I went back to some early episodes where you're sitting in a bar, like. <laughs> so I kind of, you know, told him the story of how how this got started, and he, he's like, "Yeah," and then and there's this little kid <laughs> that doesn't say anything <laughs> and can't read. <laughs> but but the episode I just watched, you know, he's he's reading all the questions and. And, you know, so I was, I was making excuses for you, Logan. I was telling them how hard it is to read these um, yeah. well-written, um, carefully orchestrated questions that we get. So, no, it was, uh, you, were, you, were, you were missed the class. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you, you want to know why you really missed out? I sent you a picture. Did you see the fat stacks of cash that I sent you in that oh, picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, tips. Yeah. Lots of tips. Matt. Matt came down and... Uh, Made everybody happy. I I think George and Jim pissed everybody off, but Matt made everybody happy, and uh, then then they were they were very appreciative of the food service staff. They, no, you're yeah, yeah, no, they said they said, but you know sometimes Jimmy you should just shut up. But I was going to say it was amazing the efficiency of pizza delivery and handout yesterday. It was. Office. 
Yes. Yeah. It was like, it was like at least three times as fast. We right. don't know why. So if you get really interesting tasks right before it's time to like, you know, distribute the pizza, just go with it. Okay. Just, just go with it. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. We had great, great class, full class. We're back up to, um, not full capacity because our, our course, our capacity is somewhere in the hundreds. So we're still running at quarter capacity, you know, doing the uh, 20, the 20 rider classes, 18 rider classes. So, but all good. Um, thanks everybody for joining in. Um, I got uh, a lot of questions because I took a week off. I went and uh, went uh, skiing last week up in Utah. That was really nice. And uh, so uh, George says, so Logan feels good enough for T4 but can't come and help wash bikes. Matt said he's making 20 bucks a bike. Yeah. yeah. Look, at, look at Logan's just the whole time. Just, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Victor really wants to know, how do I change the captionones to Espanol? <laughs> that's that's your computer, bro. Yeah, they designed these computers uh, here in the United States, so you're going to have to live with it. I, I he, he posted some stuff. I made some pretty good Mexican jokes for him on there. I don't remember what it was. Uh, and George is also reminding me that tonight's show is brought to you by ddcracing.net. You can reach over and grab that sprocket right there in front of you, Logan. Hold Hold one of those gems up. We uh, we renegotiated the uh, DDC deal, um, which meant I I uh, needed some sprockets. <laughs> Actually, uh, they've been they've been backordered for a while, and uh, or just he's just having everybody's having supply supply chain stuff, and so he finally uh, got the ones that I needed, the KTM fifties and the uh, YZ one twenty five forty eight that I got because my YZ was it's old aluminum sprocket, and so I replaced it with something I'll never have to replace again. So uh, if you are in need of a really super durable, fairly lightweight, and I say fairly lightweight because it's made out of stainless steel. It's, it's a steel sprocket, but it's way lighter than any other steel sprocket you've ever held up. Uh, the DDC ones are the way to go. And one of the best things about um, Nate at DDC is he really supports like off-road land use stuff. And I've said this, I, that's how I met him. That's how I got to know him. And uh, um, really... Uh, Happy that they're here on the show, and uh, George is showing off with his new emoji. He's dropping emoji bombs in our chat room right now. Yep, yeah, that's uh, or is it Victor? Oh, Victor's got one too. He's ah, these guys. Okay, Logan, who else brought brings us this uh, this show? Um, Honda. Honda. And their new twenty twenty one Sierra four fifty R is designed to take you straight from the starting gate. To Victory Circle. This awesome open class motocrosser features all new chassis, a major engine overhaul, new suspension, and new bodywork. And you can forget about clutch fade, adjustment, or hand fatigue with the new hydraulic clutch system. Lighter than ever, the CRF450R explodes out of corners when it's ready to when it's time to increase your lead. So go go on down to your local dealer to check out the 2021 Honda CRF450R. Go to mx.honda.com to see our full lineup of competition bikes. The CRF450R is intended for closed course operation only. Good. That worked out perfect. I was able to run and uh, forgot to, to get the suds before the show. So I even had to open the box. That's how far it was. So um, good. Uh, Troy Hicks says, drink more tequila. Uh, that's how you change your captions to Spanish, evidently, on this show. Oh, yeah. So we're really going to try to get into the motorcycle uh 
questions. Why don't we start right off the top there, Logan? Read away. Uh, Jordan, that, that way I can catch my breath from my wind sprint through my house. Uh, Jordan Single, or Siegel, no. uh, picking up the new white KTM 500. You should be getting some residuals for the great review. We can say Husqvarna now. Okay. Yeah, because it's part of the KTM group, and they give us test bikes still. No, that's what he said. He's, he called it a white KTM. Yeah. We can say Husqvarna. Remember we used to say white KTMs? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're back. Okay. We're good. Have you run the Q4 exhaust on this bike without the spark arrestor? I think I bought the last FMF exhaust available in the country for this bike. Also coming off a YZ450 and decades of MX experience, I understand the WP Explorer forks are quite basic. Open cartridge, separate separate function forks. I plan to triple sport this bike and will be springing for my weight. I heard the some forks converting to KYB internals, the Explorer Pro cartridge kit, or different forks altogether. Thanks. Okay, that's a that's a that's a lot of question in one question. <laughs> um, so uh, you probably didn't get the last um, uh, FMF muffler in the country. They're just they're just uh, seem like they're just coming out slow, but. Um, most FMF mufflers come with a spark rester. It's in the box or in the bag or um, they come with them. So uh, and the spark rester really doesn't affect flow that much, maybe a little bit. But I'm going to tell you, if you're putting an open muffler on that bike, you're going to lose power. It, it's going to it's going to blow right through the beginning of the power where the torque is really good and it's going to get some hit. And then it's going to rev very quick through the power band. I'm sure on a dyno it'll actually make more power, but you're not riding a dyno. So if you can get a uh, a Q4, um, I would I would hold out for it. Or you can actually get some of the inserts. And and I guarantee if you go on to you know <laughs> Facebook, Craigslist, something like that, talk to all the other jackasses that are pulling all that stuff out and you can probably get one for like 10 bucks. You could probably convert. There's more guys that are buying cues cause they couldn't get the muffler that you got. And they're probably pulling all the inserts out and running the big, big open end because somebody told them it makes more power. And, uh, anyways, that, that would solve that problem, a slightly more restrictive one. But if it is one of the carbon mufflers or something, you don't really want to have that heat built up into it. That's why they make the Q the way they make the Q. And it actually has a little different resonance chamber and some other stuff inside of it. So, uh, with that, um, yeah, uh, remember that when you start altering the exhaust system to a significant degree that changes the way the bike runs and you would ideally want to alter the fueling on the front side in other words just like if you changed your pipe and muffler on a carbureted bike you would want to change the fueling on your fuel injected bike and i don't have enough experience i just got a 20 and i'm i'm actually uh i had uh the 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 cam the the um the bearing on the cam on my 20 KTM 500 uh, lost its heat treat or its face. The, you know, the bearing started, not the bearing, but the cam, the, the bearing surface on the cam started coming apart. And it made like a 
It sounded like there was some loose ball bearing someplace. And it was kind of inconsistent that the way that the noise was being made. So I haven't had a chance to start playing with the 20 to, to see how it works with the tuners and, and all the different things. Cause it is kind of a, um, a closed loop system. It does some reading on there. And so I want to see um, myself how it works um, with, you know, using the stock ECU. And then if it doesn't work that way, then I'll start going to some of the aftermarket ones. Everybody hear that? Somebody, did he hacksaw his muffler off? I think it's gone. I think it's loud. Yeah. Maybe this is the guy that should be listening to this show right now that wants to cut his muffler off. <laughs> and I was going to walk out there and offer to do it with my Sawzall, and then I was just going to cut the subframe off and you know cut some ignition wires on accident. That's where he's sitting is on the subframe. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's a willy boy. I'd say they're on the back of the seat all the time anyways. They still roam in the streets here in Pahrump. Uh So... So I wouldn't, um, I'm not super quick to, to, to go. I would, I would take the, um, the screen out of the very end of the muffler, that, that perforated thing at the end of the muffler and stock muffler is pretty good. It makes good power. And the way you can do is just go for a ride sometime. And when you find yourself like wanting more power, all you have to do is turn the throttle farther. You don't have to put a different muffler on it. And then when you find yourself at the end of the throttle, like the, the throttle's wide open and you're kind of, you know, up in the RPM, then you need to start thinking about how to make more power. So uh, hopefully that works for you um, on the Husky. And then um, coming off that YZ450, you're going to notice that the bike has less, you know, snap, what we'll call snap or, or throttle response. And, Everybody gets confused that that means less power. It's just it doesn't have as much snap at the same place in the, the throttle. It's more drivable. It's it they work for what you're supposed to be doing. And I don't know what triple sport is. I know what dual sport is. What's triple sport? Supermoto wheels, right? He's gonna he's gonna turn it into a maybe ice racing bike, hill climber. I don't know. Yeah. So then, then onto the then onto the forks. Um, you know that KTM. Um, I, I saw some other. I saw some other posts someplace today where some guy was basically claiming that that KTM should warranty the forks that they're so they're so bad. The setup on them is so bad because even WP knows that they're bad because they sell cartridge kits and factory kit suspension and all this stuff like that. So um, I'm going to. Uh, Ooh, completely disagree with you. <laughs> I, I'm actually for the intended purpose for, you know, dual sporting on a 500cc bike. I think that suspension is actually really good. And they, you know, a lot of times everybody goes, oh, they're cheaping it down. You know, they're cheapening it down. They're, they're, they're um, you know, making the fork so simple. It's open cartridge. It's crap. It's junk. And uh, I... Um, I'm pretty amazed at how get good they get it to work with what they've got inside of it. And so, yeah, for sure there's a cost component. When they find out that they can reduce the number of parts, which makes it less expensive to, to produce, and lose weight, which is ideal. So they're kind of doing they're doing they're doing two things that are that are good. One's really good for them, and but they've got to keep a certain level of performance uh, on that bike. And there's plenty of companies that sell plenty of parts and plenty of things to do it. And I've even, you know, I've got some really good, I've got this full creft setup on a bike right now. And 
I can't tell you how the forks work just yet because I'm still working on getting the shock to work. So the shock is not, it's gone back to craft and now it's coming back. And, uh, and so I haven't had a chance to really play with and feel the forks because essentially it's a match, a match set because I asked them to do something specific to the forks, which I suspect they did. But right away when I got the shock, the shock wasn't even close to where, where I'd wanted it. And then, so, can you hear that? I wonder if that comes through. I think, yeah, you, I think you can hear it. I look at the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Shotgun. <laughs> or stick. So we go out there and throw the two by four into the spokes. Uh, so uh, back to, and I like dirt bikes and I don't know why I get this. <laughs> I want to just take care of this problem. Um, so uh, I think you need to give your, your forks uh, some time. Um, and first of all, break it in, ride it for five, 10 hours, break it in, get your suspension serviced. And then after it's serviced and you, you have somebody that you trust that can go through it, that puts the right amount of oil in it and make sure it's good oil. And all, now everything's been broken in and clean. Now you have a baseline. And then, especially if you were riding it and while you were trying, you played around with those, there's two clickers on it. It's really not that hard <laughs> to play with it and see if you can get into a, an area that you're happy with. And if you can't, if you run out of clicker or something just seems horribly wrong um, and not horribly wrong because you read about it or somebody told you about it on the Internet, horribly wrong because of what you're feeling. Like you actually notice it's like, hey, this thing's like bottoming out or this thing is too stiff um, or, you know, and it's funny because now I'm hearing that those bikes are that the, the EXCs that their people are complaining that the front forks are too stiff and too harsh. I'm like, where did this come from? Because they are always too soft right so anyways um give give it give the stock stuff a chance before you just decide to go throw stuff at it because you may not know what you're getting when you get something that is quote supposedly better you've got it you know that's that's why there's testing and that's why and and i get to ride a lot of different bikes and for a dual sport bike i think the the ktms and the huskies uh the dual sport bikes are set up really nice and I don't have a big um, inkling to want to go change them for for that. And I mean, if 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 there's a certain application for it, you know, I sometimes if if I'm going to take that bike and I'm going to do like a lot of rally training, I have more of what we call an XC setting. So it's kind of a little bit stiffer, more like a KTM XCF would be set up. I have a setting that's sort of like that that I'll throw into it, and I have a set of suspension that's that way. And if you think that the suspension has gotten worse going forward, I took older, I took like 2014 suspension and threw it onto a 2019 bike. And I thought that the, the 19 stuff was a tad better, just moved, it moved freer. And it was, it was, uh, it was more lively without being wallowy where the older stuff was a little bit stiff, a little bit more stiction in it. And it was well broken in. Uh, both both the sets were broken in. So, yeah, um, Jordan, uh, Jordan, Jordan Spiegel. Yeah. Siegel, Spiegel. What's his name? I don't know. Siegel, no. like a seagull. So, uh, the triple sport is dual sport plus motocross. <laughs> oh, you're gonna moto this bike? I was right. That was my guess. Really? Moto. Run away. <laughs> oh boy, that's a big ask. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, at least he has the linkage because <laughs> because the linkage magically makes everything better. Um, uh, yeah, if you're <laughs> so if you're going to moto the bike, then um, it's not a motocross bike. It's just not a motocross bike. So you you will probably have to do a lot of stiffening it up at that point. Um, I mean, you can ride around, but it's it's never going to be your Yamaha on the motocross track. It's going to wallow. Um, and and you could you could basically get actually even the motocross guys I think are saying that the that the air forks that come on the Huskies are junk or come on the KTM's are junk. You know they complain about everything. So you can probably go and buy some of that stuff really cheap. That the stock takeoff stuff. <laughs> and then you could you could literally put the motocross shock and the motocross fork on that bike and then maybe soften it a little bit. But the good thing about the air fork is just let a little air out and it's softer and and then it's good, but then people complain because it's air and not oil and springs. <laughs> so triple sport is motocross. Is that what he did he 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 yeah. he replied? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's what I would do. Um and the power delivery is not a motocross power delivery. <laughs> So yeah. you're you're taking you're you're taking a, a bike that was designed for one thing and asking it to do another, and that's always kind of uh, kind of difficult when you uh, when you want to multitask. Um, it's just like me saying I want to go single track trail riding on my adventure bike. <laughs> I can do it. It's not the right tool for the job. Um, so okay, what's next? Um, Scott Sindel. I bought a new, well-reviewed torque wrench, and I set it to 20 newton meters, or nm, to torque the triple clamps. But it seems way tighter than I would do by hand. So tight that I feel like the bolts are on the verge on stripping. I noticed the socket have a fair amount of play between the wrench and socket. Is that causing the torque setting to be enormously too tight? Uh, it shouldn't. I mean, the, the socket being a little bit loose shouldn't affect the torque because once you load it, you know, you're, you're loading it. It's not like you're springing, you know, springing into it or something. Uh, 20 newton meters on a triple clamp is a little bit heavy 17. no matter where. I mean, 17 would be on the high side, yeah. um, and I don't often don't even run them up to 17. So I, I don't... Um, <laughs> you know, some torque wrenches only work in one direction. And I've seen a couple of different designs where torque wrenches only that you actually, the head actually turns. So it, you can actually torque in a loosening direction and torque in a tightening direction, but it, it's not like a normal ratchet where you, you flip, it doesn't go both ways. It only goes, it only pulls, it clicks in other words, in one way. So I would check the torque wrench on something that's like a known factor before I started cranking on my um, bike, find some bolt, that's that's really tight on it and then and then work your way up you know start at eight and then turn it to 10 and click you know go 12 click and uh work your way up to make sure that the torque wrench is working and bob's trying to raise his hand yes bob a certified torque wrench only works one direction oh a certified torque wrench only works one direction yeah so so i have seen and i've seen people use their torque wrench in the wrong direction where it does not click and and trust that you know that it was like, oh, it doesn't click. And then they're, you know, they're putting tri double, triple the torque into something, thinking that that's it. So maybe your wrist is actually a pretty good torque wrench and it's telling you the right thing. And maybe check your torque wrench. Um, that's what I would, that's what I would do for sure. Uh, but I don't think the loose, um, 
the loose socket head should have any effect on it. But um, yeah, so it's a well-reviewed torque wrench. I don't know, is, is it, was it certified? Scott's uh, is well-reviewed. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's certified, so who knows what it is. Um, yeah, I have a couple different torque wrenches, and uh, I kind of check them against each other, you know, sometimes, just to, you know, it's a way to self-certify them. Um, and then, uh, so they all, they all kind of need to work, uh, the same next Emily Muslino, um, KTM 300 verse 250 for district 37 racing desert racing. What's your weapon of choice between the two? Keep in mind the dis displacement rules. I love the show. Keep it up and good work. Cheers. She must've watched the show you were in charge of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, 250 versus 300. So in a racing application, I, I'm, you know, like, like desert racing or something where it's like not, not extreme enduro because, but that's the only time of race racing I've done any time in the last year, but anything aside from extreme enduro, I don't think that the 300 has that many advantages because the 250, um, what well, kind of depends on how you ride a little bit. I mean, if you like to if you like to torque the bike, even when you're racing, like once you start saying racing to me, I just expect you're you know you're wide open, you're pinning it, you're riding in the upper RPMs all the time, and a 250 doesn't give up that much to the 300 in those conditions. Like if if I were to go to the motocross track, um, just the characteristics of the 250 tend to um, kind of suit me better uh if that's anything not to say that i can't get lazy and 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 the 300 is nicer but when you start saying racing i don't think there's a whole lot of disadvantages to the 250 and i'm not 100 sure what the what the class breakdowns are what was what was it's a the name uh district 37 no no her, her name oh, his name emily emily is it emily uh, i think so okay how do you spell it two e's E E, oh no, E M I L E E. Emily, that sounds Emily. I didn't know that there was there was um, displacement classes in the girls. So, uh, I didn't yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think like in the vet, isn't there a two fifty, a lightweight vet and a heavyweight vet or right. something? So, so there's different there's different classes, but you know, on that bike, you could always just change the stickers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they look the same on the outside. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's, that's my, that's my take on it. I don't, I don't, I, I think if I was desert racing, um, yeah, I, if I could say, I mean, for me, if I, if I wanted to stay down the 250 class, I'd have no problem getting a 250 and staying down the 250 class, but they're both, they're both going to do the job. It's just, I always said, even back in the day, back when they were carbureted, back when they first started making, when they had all these different sizes, you know, three eighties and stuff. The bigger the displacement of the two-stroke, the less it kind of revved, you know. And, and so if you like revving something, like revving a 300 was kind of pointless. And we used to spend a lot of time trying to get a 300 that had all that torque and then really working on getting them to, to rev without losing the torque. So there we go. Uh, Mike Smith, could you use the reverse polarity plug to jumpstart a dead... YZ250 FX with my FX350 via both bike battery tender pigtails. No kickstarters. I've got a father-son team jumpstart 
this method by unbolting the pigtail on the battery and reversing it at the battery. I thought this little plug would be stupid easy way. Be so, stupid easy way. Yeah, so he sent a picture of a, a plug he'd I think he'd kind of rigged it together where you know how you know how you have the battery tender plugs of the chargers or something like that that would go in there. And so he made this plug so he could hook his two um battery tender cables together to jump start I guess his kid's bike on the YZ two fifty FX where his I guess he was having battery problems. So um, in, in, well, well, like, you know, you know how you, you know, you have a, a battery tender that trickle charges your, your, right. and there's a plug that hangs off there. Right. So imagine having those on both of your bikes. And then he, he made this jumper that he could connect both bikes. So if one bike were to go dead, I mean, yeah, if you're always going to be riding with this, with your, with your buddy and you expect one of the batteries will work and the other one is going to go dead or something that, that would, that would be ideal. Uh, you know, Jim, our, our our helper Jim here has, he actually, instead of a battery tender, he made a, a plug that hooks up directly, you know, the plug that they give you with the jump starters, the the battery packs, because he, he also asks about, you know, I, I say just carry a, a jump starter pack and then it'll work on anything. And, uh, but you might, you know, might have to take the seat off to get to it or whatever you have to do to get the battery, but you shouldn't be having battery problems. Um, I mean, they do happen. But if you're expecting <laughs> expecting battery problems all the time, uh, maybe better preventative uh, maintenance would help. But so Jim actually took the the so the thing that you plug into your your jumper, he actually made that so it hooks up to his battery, and so if he ever needed to, he could just he could just plug it in and and jump start it that way. So um, yeah, it's a that's a that's a good idea, I guess. Um, but I would just, I mean, those jump start packs are so convenient, and and you're a hero if you have one on the trail ride when your buddy's battery goes dead, and then you can charge your phone and all the other stuff. So, yeah. Um, he also said, or carry just carry a jump pack. Twenty one YZ two fifty X is getting battery upgrade soon. POS factory battery from new. <laughs> He's uh, saying the Yamaha battery isn't all that good, and um, I've heard I've heard people complain about them. Uh, I actually haven't had the Yamaha battery go bad. I do notice that they just don't start very well. The Yamahas are are of all the electric start bikes and fuel injected bikes, they're the most inconsistent at starting. Um, it's almost like they don't spin, maybe just don't spin fast enough. And so I thought it was the battery for sure. And I actually changed the battery out to a, another battery and actually tried one with more cranking amps and it didn't seem to do much, didn't change anything. So, um, yeah, until, until I start having problems with the battery, uh, I can't comment on that, but I'm pretty sure that I have heard people that agree with you. Um, Chris Smith, have you ridden the AJPs? So... Chris Smith asks this because the picture I put on the Facebook promoting the show was me on an AJP. So the answer is yes. I've ridden quite a few different AJPs. I never really, quote, tested them. I mean, I kind of rode them around enough to get an impression. And uh, so, yes. So you think he wants to know what I think? Or does he want to know if I've ridden them? Uh, that's it. That's it? Yeah. Should I answer his question or did I answer his question? I think you did. What do you think about the AJPs? No clue. <laughs> no clue. 
<laughs> they're they're uh, they're interesting. Uh, I'll tell you what. One thing that they are straight away, they're heavy. Every single one of them I rode was heavy. They build those things out of steel. Um, and but there there's actually they, some of their bikes are really interesting concepts. The they have like these you know air cooled you know something that'd be like a CRF two thirty you know CRF two fifty like the, the air cooled ones. Um. They have these air-cooled bikes that they put in kind of a, a good-looking chassis with, you know, decent-type suspension on it, although it's all, it's all uh, you know, not top-of-the-line stuff. It's kind of middle-line stuff, but it's a, it's a good concept. It was, the idea was to kind of keep the price down low and, you know, have, a, have like a, a mid-level performance bike, not a play bike, but not a full-on race bike and something in the middle. And I rode a few different ones. They were just starting to experiment with their fuel injection last time I rode the small displacement bike, so it was a little bit – need a little bit of work. And then I've ridden the big one that they make look like a rally bike. I don't know. It's like a 600 single or something. I've ridden a couple different people's uh, bikes of those. And again, uh, quite heavy, uh, but in- interesting, interesting bike. So, yeah, just a little bit. KTM is powered by a distinct ready-to-race mentality. KTM is the world's leading high-performance street and off-road motorcycle manufacturer, with North American headquarters based in Marietta, California. Over the years, KTM has built a reputation as a fierce competitor on the racetracks around the world, and the brand's remarkable, remarkable global success is reflected in every product it develops and every move it makes. You did that without looking at the last half of it, didn't you? No. I. Oh, you. <laughs> earlier, I just moved it. <laughs> I'm like, how did you do it? Because it ran off of the bottom of the page. Did, nobody saw that read coming, huh? Snuck that one right in the middle of the show, right, yeah. Logan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Taco Mike tells me that he's ready to support me when I'm ready to work on the O2 Equip 2020. <laughs> Man, that guy's a glutton for punishment. He knows what a pain in the ass I am, and he still keeps coming back. <laughs> I do need I do need to, to do some of that stuff. It's funny because I see, you know, I, I, I glance at all these... <laughs> all these posts of all these guys that do all this stuff. They, they always have to list. It's like, it's like, here's my resume of what I've done to my bike. And I've taken the reads out and I've put this muffler and I've added this and this, that, this, that, the other. And, and my bike now runs like basically, they basically say in so many words, except it's three paragraphs. My bike runs like shit. It, it hauls ass and it's super fast, but basically it runs like shit because a lot of these times these things are designed, you know, it's designed to run with a exactly certain muffler and exactly certain intake track and exactly this and exactly that. And you can't just hand somebody the ECO go here, this is going to make it's like magic. It's going to make it work. It's kind of a tuned system. And they, some of them have different clicks, clickers on the back. So you can set it to different, you know, maps for different things. You know, the, the vortex or the EC, you know, the get actually is programmable through, um, you know, you can use an app to alter it. But it's the it's you know so you can do some tuning on it. It's the base maps that I don't think I've it's still to this day. And Taco Mike, prove me wrong. I want I want you to hand me the ECU that I can put on my bike, whatever it is, that has better drivability than stock. And drivability generally occurs from the moment I start rolling the throttle on till about one third into the throttle, and. Uh, because after that, then, you know, most of the time you're on a load, but most of those times that, that, that part of the power band is completely forgotten when we're talking about aftermarket stuff. It's like, cause the dyno doesn't register down there and the dyno doesn't have 
limited traction and the dyno doesn't do on and off throttle very well and it's it's a not a good tuning tool unless it's combined with a good um good uh, development rider in my opinion i'll pat myself in the back right now <laughs> okay i do want to do this uh just i just need time i got a i got so many broken bikes right now <laughs> hey i mistimed I have a, a KTM 250 RFS that's a 350, and I was I've been meaning I I I got the last two intake valves in the country for this thing, literally, and I just made a bonehead move and com timed it completely wrong. I put the dot up on top. I was thinking, oh Honda dot on top of the cam. No, I forgot it was KTM there on the sides, and I you know that's the the press together cam chain, you know the endless cam chains press, rivet it. Put on there, and then I kind of started spinning around to check it, and I'm like, uh oh, you know. Did you tag it? No, oh. yeah, no, not that I know of. But it was, you know, just, it was a quarter turn off, and it wasn't enough to, it wasn't just timed right to, to whack the thing. I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. So luckily, I had one more link, pull, broke the chain apart, put it back where it's supposed to be, and I was just jacking around. There's a lot of stuff going on. It was the day before the class, lots of lots of in and out, and and. And Jim and George and Matt was there telling me how my online riding school was going to work. And so I, I got it in there and checked it. It was absolutely perfect. Go ahead, put the chain, press the my last chain rivet on there. How did it get one tooth off? <laughs> so this is mechanical hell. I mean, I've been in I've been in mechanical hell lately. So. Yes, I do. I do. Uh, I, I'm human. Make make mistakes. Actually, more than I care to admit, but I try to learn from them. So I ordered, you know what I learned from this? Order four <laughs> master links <laughs> so you can correct your mistakes and kick everybody out of the freaking garage when it's time to concentrate. Don't try to be a nice guy and answer everybody's questions. And I can only do one thing at once. No juggling. Um, I think this should be a Another segment of guess that name. Oh, okay. Should I, I should try. <laughs> Thank you, Logan. It's uh, Carl Emma Emma Ends. <laughs> Carl At At Ama An Ataman Sink C Z Y K Ataman Sink. You try it. Ataman Sink. Sink. Zink. Yeah, okay. What's the question? Um, I easily sold my uh, 2015 300 race edition. It had a lot of hours on it and still ran great. A 2021 race edition is on order now. So he's talking about the beta test. Um, thanks for not... Uh, you know, the, 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 I think his name was what I was trying to say the whole time I was making that video because everybody says that video makes them sick. <laughs> the wrist cam. That's the best camera angle I ever made. The wrist cam. Uh, so, yeah, I, I um, Why would you sell your bike before you had your new one in hand? That's crazy. I mean, yeah, used bike prices are pretty good right now. So, okay. Lucky Charms. Um, oh, that's the next one, but Dave Black. Oh. 
I did a survey on my KL, KLR reform asking what their next bike would be. 50% of said T7. This was after the announced of the new KLR. So, so um, I must have, it's funny because I'm pretty sure some of these KLR guys, uh, uh, the KLR owners groups and stuff watched uh, the Tenere, Yamaha Tenere 700 video that we did because I say it's like a modern day KLR and that's a, either it's a, the, the worst insult you could ever heap on the KLR crowd or it's the best compliment ever, you know. And uh, you, you were a KLR owner, you right. understand. I, I Back in the milk, the, the milk, the milk crate days, yeah. the, the milk products, you know, milk crate, milk crates for panniers, yeah. milk, uh, cut milk bottles for hand guards. There's amazing stuff we can do. Um, but anyway, so he's uh, he said 50% of them are going to move up to the uh, the T7 on his form. That's good. I'm glad that I have a good following with the KLR. I still say that that is the if you're thinking about getting an adventure bikes. The KLR650 was the bike, I think, the bike to start with. Still the best bang-for-the-buck adventure bike you can get your hands on. You can still get them used. They're probably twice as much now. But I saw one for two grand. I, I, you saw one for two grand? Two grand on, on Craigslist right now. Oh. Vegas. Yeah. I just bought the KTM500 that was on Craigslist in Vegas. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's a smoker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um Let's see. But I know how those things last forever, so I, I needed another one. Um, so, yeah, Dave, thanks for uh, thanks for doing that. Thanks for doing that survey. Um, they, I'm glad that you agree with me, because if you didn't, I'd tell you why you were wrong. Um, Lucky Charms says, love the video. Do you still have the Tenere 700? No, I, I, I don't have the, the Tenere 700, because it was Yamaha's, and they let us use it for the testing. And then uh, they made us give it back. And I have two KTM. I have a 1090 and 1190 that I don't ride enough. And a 390 that I don't ride enough. And uh, so I didn't need a Tenere 700 just yet. Uh, C Green. How close is the RR300 to KTM 300 XCW? Same ballpark? They are the same ballpark. I think we explain it pretty well in our, in our test. Oh, the test is in the magazine that nobody looked at. The the dirt bike test uh, digital magazine issue one and done, that one. There's a really good test of that bike on there, and it explains it uh, pretty good. But I'll go ahead and do it now because nobody likes to read. That was obvious. Um, the uh, Yeah, exactly the same ballpark. And if I were to place the, the beta 300RR, I would put it between a KTM XCW and then the the um, the XC the 300 XC so it's a little bit it's a little bit like a little bit stiffer a little bit more aggressive than the XCW when it kind of comes to suspension uh, suspension feel but not as aggressive as an XCF so it's still not to the point where I want, would really want to take a, a beta 300 RR onto the motocross track I mean you could and it would do better in an XCW but it's not that doesn't have that little extra stiffness that like the XC has. Um, motor wise, I think the beta makes more power um, pretty much everywhere. It just, and it feels like it, and I'm pretty sure it does make more power everywhere. Uh, it's just not as, uh, 
It's not as smooth at the same RPM. It seems like the KTMs will actually go down a little bit lower in the RPM, of course, because they're fuel injected. And uh, But for a carbureted bike, uh, the beta is amazing. You probably, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know uh, that it's that it's either one. <laughs> you, you just, you just, that's what perfect jetting is like. That, that's a, that was a good bike. So yeah, same ballpark. Just, it's just red. Um, Jesse. It's like a gas gas. Yeah. See, that's KTM started feeling the heat from beta. So they bought gas gas and they go, we'll have a red one too. <laughs> um, Jesse G leaning towards beta as it seems like KTM is cheaping out of a lot of little things on their bikes like weak plastics i have a 2013 ktm 350 xc c oh and it to me was built when ktm was really out of out to impress now they have huge following so they slowly start cheapening out on small details. Do you think he has a degree in business management or something? And that's the that's what they taught him or something. <laughs> I I um at least <laughs> he's leaning towards the beta because beta is getting kind of popular. So that you, you might want to get one quick. Pretty soon they're going to start you know cheapening out on the plastics and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, you get a beta. You're gonna notice that maybe that KTM plastic is actually pretty good. Um, it kind of depends. Uh, you know, it's funny because certain pieces in the beta are actually pretty good, and other ones, you know, just have they have weak spots. Um, the plastic and I, man, where's he? I, where's he coming up with that on the plastic on the KTM? I I haven't noticed that. I've noticed they've gone to a little bit more. I would call it like automotive. Um, piece integration like the, the fit on some of the stuff kind of integrates together and fits tighter and it fastens not where we're used to you know they have these you know pretty interesting you know ways of fastening and they've goofed up some stuff like the double seat bolt on the some of the bikes is opposed now they have that big one long seat bolt that goes through i mean like if you wanted something where beta is awesome you push a button and the seat comes off now that's like why can't ktm do that uh, you know so the so there's there's things like that. I don't I I want to say that that KTM is is teeter tottering on where they're making the bike so light. They're so focused on weight. They're making the bike so light that there is. And and my good friend Ray Conway says this. He says there's just less motorcycle there. When all of a sudden you've dropped fifteen pounds compared to your competitor, like where did it all go? Like where where is it? And I, I haven't personally seen this turn up in, in like in a durability sense. Um, so I've, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, parts fail here and there, but not, uh, not in any level that it's okay. They're cheapening, they're cheapening up their bikes. Oh, except for the forks. I mean, come on, everybody knows that the forks are just, they just put them on there as a decoration because they expect you to buy another one. It, you had to be listening to the beginning of the show. <laughs> so or if you made it this far in the show you know what we're talking about but um n no i think uh they're just uh i if you're talking about a ktm or a honda or a yamaha or a beta these days in my opinion um 
you're talking about some of the best built bikes that are out there. Uh, and I don't think you're going to, you know, <laughs> you're going to get any better one or the other. Each one of them will have their own little things that, that are, you know, they're unique problems, but, um, uh, you can always buy used old, you can buy old KTMs. I am not for any particular reason, except I can afford them. So, okay. Um, Darth Biker. Baha ha. Baha ha. Is pronounced Baha ha. No silent letters. Now, now I have to ask you about the slogan. Did you read the end of that sentence before you read the first of the sentence? So you know how to pronounce it in the beginning? No, the I read the, the whole thing. The whole thing, straight yeah. through. So you said it, you said oh. it, you said it right. Ba. Jodge. Ba. Ba. Ja. Ba. Ja. And he spells it. B-A-J-A-J. Well, because he's talking about my KTM 300, 390 video where I can't pronounce it. Well, I still can't pronounce it. Ba Jaws, Ba I can't remember Ba Ja, like 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 uh like Baja, but with um with but with the uh, the uh, spiritual leader of the Rastafarian community Ba Ja, is that how we is that how we do it? Sure, got it. You just said it right. Ba Ja, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I know. I have to I have to I have to place it someplace in my disorganized head. It's like kind of a it's kind of a it's like yeah, got it. Ba Ja. Now I know. Bajaj. Bajaj? Yeah, there you go. Bajaj. Baja. I don't care what it is. I'll, I'll slaughter on Darth Biker. May the may the force of my <laughs> my mispronunciations be with you. <laughs> um G C Simmons. Jimmy was wondering if you could answer this on your next show. I have a 06 Honda 250X with about 500 hours on it. I just did a piston rings as it had been two hours since the last one, and it was burning some oil. Cylinder looked great. Crank didn't seem to have any play, and rod small end was tight as well. I put everything back together with new piston and rings, and took it out for a ride to find that I'm getting some oil migration. I'm losing about five ounces of oil on a three-hour ride from the trainee side, which ends up in the motor side. I use the same oil on both sides, not wanting to take it all apart again since I just... Put it back together. Is this a major problem? I need to know. I need to worry about, or can I just run it for a while, as long as I'm not losing major oil? Thanks so much, Jimmy. Love the show. Well, thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for loving the show. Um, I actually glanced over and I saw how long that question was, and I thought, I mean, I bet you I can run and grab another beer. <laughs> That's what I thought. And then, and then I go, well, you know, all the questions are the same, so I'll just come back and just tell them to, to turn the throttle farther. And, and, and then I realize that, that, you know, a couple sentences, this guy actually has a real problem. Um, good job on getting 
how many hours? 600 hours? 500. 500 hours on a Honda 250X. Okay. If if you read the internet, those, those motors are good for 22 hours and then they blow up. Right? No. <laughs> I mean that's that's what uh, you, in the old days that's you know they were they were they were known for some some uh, substandard uh, valve material or head cylinder head I don't know was it the, is it the cylinder head or the valve that was soft was something was soft yeah the two fifty x oh yeah they had those uh, cheap titanium valves yeah it's titanium valves that just there was a, it was a they the the they would just wear out it was just they were sanding themselves down kind of kind of like KTM RFSs do but. 50 times faster. <laughs> so uh, good job on getting that thing out. So what he did is he did a full rebuild. And now he is getting oil to pass from the transmission into the motor. And he wonders if it is uh, that big of a deal. So five ounces on a three-hour ride. So I'm thinking of how many shot glasses that is right now. That's how I do this math. Um, um, that's, all, that's a fair amount. It's it's not going to hurt your transmission because that's not enough to come out of the transmission. Uh, but I will tell you that that extra oil going into the motor is going to cause problems because it's there's just not enough volume in there. It's gonna it's actually I think motors tend to run hotter when there's too much oil in there. They build up pressure because the crank is. You know, the crank is splashing into oil that it's trying to evacuate, and and it can actually cause big problems. I'm kind of surprised it's not going the other direction. So, um, what it sounds like you, you, your problem is, is it's your, it's the seal behind your crank, you know, your, your crank seal on the clutch side. That's the only, that should be the only way for the oil to pass into that. Um, and I suspect when you did the rebuild, you replaced that, um, seal, but, um, Bob's raising his hand as if he knows something. Oh, did he, Clock the rings correctly, and, and are the rings broken in? Uh, did he clock the rings correctly, and are they broken in? I mean, you mean you think that that could draw enough of a vacuum inside of there? To th no way. I don't know. Yeah, not not with just not with just. But he's actually sucking it from the transmission side into the motor side. Oh, then it's that blown. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's the seal. Yeah, it's the it's the seal. You know, the same thing when you get an air leak on a two-stroke, you know, when it starts sucking air in through the through the crank, it makes that popping noise. Or a lot of times it comes through the ignition side. Um, this one is actually the only the only logical transfer is from from behind the, the output shaft. And that's actually odd. So I would uh, – yeah, it looks like you're going to be re rebuilding the motor. I wouldn't – I would – I mean, it's not super critical, but if you started getting much more oil than that – uh, inside of your uh, inside of your engine side, then uh, it would be a problem. I would I would drain everything out and do it again. I mean, it's, it seems kind of strange that it would be sucking in that, that's that way. Uh -huh. That's that's that is really unusual. Yeah, an old KTM and that, that 2008 to 2011 KTM that was like <laughs> that was like they actually started to drill cases out so they'd be a common case because they were so bad. But yeah. Um, I would, uh, I would, I would put the proper amounts in there because I'm not sure where you're getting the how, how you're getting those measurements, and they seem like you've got a good exact measurement. I would do it again just to verify before you do it, and then uh, uh, go from there. Let me know how that turns out because I'm actually interested in that. And uh, Victor, 
wanted here, Victor, I got something for you. He says, is there any advantage in changing my forks on an XR650R to modern ones with stiffer springs? Well, you know what I actually have leaning up against my wall in my shop right now? I have a set of Pro Circuit clamps with a set of CR250R forks on it that was set up for an XR650. And I have an XR650 that has stock forks on it right now with stiffer springs, stock forks with stiffer springs. Do you wonder why they're sitting up against the wall? (laughs) But if you're interested in it, maybe we can work a deal. (laughs) Because you've given me some pretty cool furniture, so I can give you some really cool furniture too, because that's what those forks are right now. Man, they're bitching clamps. It's It's like works pro circuit looking clamps and stuff. So nice, nice stuff. I felt like they might have fallen off of a, you know, a truck someplace. A friend of mine didn't, they because of how well they worked probably. They're like, here, Jimmy, take these. <laughs> You're a junk collector. Uh, yeah, Victor, text me. We'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. We, you can, and then you can tell me how they work. Because in your world, if it looks cool, it's better, brother. <laughs> uh, Chris Real actually chimes in. says, is it my opinion that the big XR needs some front-end flex to take the shock loading out of your hands? I did a full upside-down fork setup, and the bike was evil. Went back to the conventional forks, and the bike was much easier to ride. I wonder if he's had the same forks that I've had because <laughs> we do have a common friend <laughs> that seems to have these kind of parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm keeping the guilty people <laughs> at, uh, at bay. Next question, Logan. Um, Johnny Campbell says crank seal is in backwards or the spring popped. There we go. Man, that's why it's great to have people that know what they're talking about. Does JCR um, off-road tuning, what's your, uh, they have a JCR speed shop. They can probably build that motor into something sweet. Or, well, it depends on where he's at. Maybe he's near where um, Eric, uh, how do you say his last name? Eric Citron. What's Eric's last name? Johnny's the old mechanic. He was, he was, he was Ricky's mechanic this year. Eric Citron. Yeah. 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 He has, he just opened up his new shop uh, back east. And he's a master on those motors. In fact, Ned's CRF250X that's still out here, I, it may have 500 hours on it, was built for a Dirt Rider 24-hour back in the day. Johnny's, through, through JCR Speed Shop, Johnny built this, prepped this bike for our, for our comparison. And uh, that, thing is, that thing is tight. So, yeah, seals in backwards or that's good, good news, good info. Uh, okay. Um, this could be one to get. Yeah. Okay. That we're not Johnny Campbell was. Uh, we texted him. He's. There's no way he's listening to this yeah. show. We texted him. We we went to the expert. For this. <laughs> uh, okay. Go ahead. Uh, Brian, hello. Just found your channel and subscribed. Thanks for a very very thorough review. I'm stuck between this bike and the new Honda CRF 300L. For the first time, for a first time rider, is there a preferable choice for light trail riding slash surface streets here in Phoenix? I was reading another question. I have to do a quick. Uh, I'm sorry that you subscribed. <laughs> I, I should I should send an apology to everybody that subscribes to my channel because I don't I don't I don't really want to do what everybody else is doing on the YouTubes. <laughs> you know, thank them. So, um, 
so he's talking about the KTM 390. I don't remember which video it was coming from. Uh, he was talking about the KTM uh, 390 or the Honda CRF 300L. And I, what is the CRF 300L? That's the, that's the, the rally, the new, that's the adventure. Yeah, that's right. That's the, because yeah. they, they have a normal, they have a normal one and CRF 300L rally. So less fairing, once you say like trails and, and I have to be careful when somebody says trail riding for some people, trail riding is just kind of moseying down dirt roads and gravel roads and stuff. And for that, you can have the fairings and stuff like that's no problem. Once you go into like we call single track trails, I don't like fairings. <laughs> I don't like, you know, things that are big and, and, and bulky and stuff. So um, the standard 300L would probably be a better choice uh, just because it's a little bit, a little bit smaller. It's a little bit more like a dirt bike when you start talking about trail riding. Um, but uh, I'm, I, I promise you that the KTM 390 will 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 beat it on power, you know, just because it is a little bit bigger. It's the 390 and stuff, but it kind of depends on how much power you really need at that point. Um, but light trail riding, light trail riding. Oh, it's the minute you say trail riding, I always go with smaller. You know, it's just the, that's just the default answer. Go with the smaller, more lighter, more agile uh, vehicle, no matter, no matter what it is. So Brian, hope that uh, helps you out. Um, love the podcast and appreciate all of all you do to get good information to us. Well, that's Brian too. Hey, thanks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, I got to tell you a little bit about some climb gear. Uh, I am a big fan of climb, climb gear. I've been wearing it since day one, really on the motorcycle side of things. And if you're not familiar with them, they come from a snow machine, snowmobile, uh, background. And, uh, you're not really supposed to call them snowmobiles, right? It's like, that's what I still do yeah, <laughs> so, so that's where those guys came from. And especially if you're looking for gear that is like really weather tolerant, you know, if you, if you want some gear that that's going to, that's going to protect you from the elements, this is where climb gear shines. And a lot of the stuff that they make, you don't actually see it on me because it's under layers. And right now, right now we are uh, kind of in this transition time where, it's cold in the morning and it gets warm during the day. And if you're doing these all day rides, you know, it's real important to have something that you can wear underneath that'll, that'll keep you warm, but you don't sweat yourself out and it moisture wicks. And so they have these aggressor, um, under layers and stuff. And hopefully they're in stock because <laughs> everything these days seems to be out of stock everywhere. But if you're looking to keep yourself warm and go for a good, comfortable ride, um, I highly suggest you check out climb.com and uh, see what they have plus the new dakar gear uh, looks sweet and works as good as it ever has so there you go next question um in your class you talk about and have drills to help us hopefully be better on our brakes does the brand or rotor slash pads matter much or as i suspect is the limiting factor many traction from the tires and rider skill is this still true with lots of repetitive braking is fate ever an issue like on street vehicles are some brands better in their ability to clear mud and play a powder from 
then? Uh, clear mud. <laughs> I'm trying to, or a uh, playa powder, uh, dust. Um. Ne- well, let, let me answer that question yeah. before we go to the next question. So, um, brakes are super important. Uh, basically, brakes determine how fast you can go because they let you slow down. Uh, is the brand of pads and rotors? It is very important. Um, and most of the bikes come with pretty high quality stuff these days, uh, for sure. But if you're looking for something more, and this is where it's difficult because each, each I've tested all these different, all the different brands and stuff. Each brand has like a slightly different feel and a little bit of a different character. And if you're going that way, Bob, they know there's beer down at the end of the hall in the, in the box. Yeah. Getting deep into this show. <laughs> um, Every brand has a slightly different character and a feel. And um, so it sort of depends on what you're looking for. But it is all dependent on the tire you're using. If you're using a junk tire, doesn't matter how good your brakes are because the tire is going to limit how, how effective everything everything is. So, you know, start with what's touching the ground, of course, making sure your tire is good. And, hey, uh, I'll actually do a little plug here. Kenda tires are, in my opinion, some of the best when it comes to control on the brakes. This is it's really why I fell in love with the Parker DT front tire, which everybody goes, why do you run that? Look at that little mushroomy knob. How does that work? Great, <laughs> especially when I'm on my brakes. But uh, back to the, the pads, I typically, out of all the different um, uh, pads and rotors and stuff like that, the ones I've really kind of fallen in love with are the Galfer, the Galfer stuff. And it's just because it's it's super high performance. It's really high performance. And the feel is really, really consistent. The durability is good. Everything about it's really, really good. And I've tried um, rotors from braking, you know, even some of the some of the lower cost ones like Tusk and, um, you know, some uh, some super high end ones like uh, I'm trying to think of it. It was an. Um, uh, the, yeah, I don't know if it's, I don't know if Motomaster. I think those were theirs were kind of like more of the the middle of the the middle of the road stuff, but uh, the Galfer stuff is just very very consistent. Um, braking stuff was always pretty good. The one brake pads that really impressed me were AP Racing. They made they made some brake pads that were that were noticeably um, grippier, but also wore pretty heavily. And then you start talking about fade and stuff like that. Generally. Unless you're kind of in a racing application, and generally it's rear brakes and stuff where guys are just dragging their brakes. The reason the brakes fail or fade is because they're dragging them. It's really rare that you're going to have somebody, you know, overheat or, or overrun a, a front brake. Uh, but uh, there's, you know, all different kinds of stuff, and, and it's kind of a matter of uh, a matter of testing it. But it, like I said, in my, my experience, I've been happy with the Golfer stuff. I think that comes standard on the KTMs most of the time these days. Um, so... All pretty, uh, all pretty good. Oh, you know that wasn't that wasn't Johnny that that answered. That was his wife answered that question. Yeah. Yeah, Faye answered that question. Yeah. <laughs> so you really, if if you want to ever watch this show live, which we do on Tuesday nights at seven p.m. on Facebook, uh, you will get a real interesting cast of characters. Um, you know, some of these guys have been on the show. You know, this this uh, what's that guy's name that won the, that won Dakar that one time? What's that guy's name? Is it Bray? Bray? He's on this. He Bra- was on Bra- Brayback, that guy? Yeah. yeah. 
he chimes in every once in a while, he hurls some insults at me. Well, it's because all day long, I'm just always telling him that I'm going to smoke him next time he comes out here. And that's why he won't come back out and ride with me. <laughs> he won't go trail riding with me. <laughs> so he'd train all day. Uh, okay. Um, and Faye says, of course, Johnny and I are listening. <laughs> That's good. JCR Honda, the, the jcrhonda.com. Go there if you need to uh, know about some Honda stuff. That's the expert location for that. Hey, yeah. you ever, do you ever want to go riding with Johnny Campbell? I can offer you a ride with Johnny Campbell. He yes. does He does tours. And it's a fun ride. And it's a fun ride. Yeah. Oh, because you've been on it before. Yeah. Yeah, but well, you rode a KTM. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you can come out here, rent a Honda Sierra 450X, and go on a ride with Johnny Campbell. Just uh, check out www.jimmylewisoffroad.com, and I can get you all of that information. Um, uh, next question. What's our next one on there, Logan? Oh, we had a second question. Uh, we talked about the movement of the piston as being a component of balance when you hit a rock and get kicked sideways. And also in how heavy stable slash light squirrely a motorcycle feels. Do electric motorcycles have the same behavior given no piston slash crank, but there is a rotating component in the electric motor? Yes. Okay. So it's not necessarily the piston going up and down. It's all of the things spinning, the spinning mass. You know, the piston has some inertial but i think it's more of the, the things that have weight to them that are spinning that give it that adds stability anytime you spin something up it wants to continue spinning and it, it doesn't want to twist or turn so that's where you're feeling this in electric motor in my experience most electric motors are getting smaller and smaller and more compact and they're getting lighter um and so yes uh it has some inertial effect but not nearly that of a um that of um, uh, a gas-powered motor, you know, conventional motor, uh, as we've as as I felt, and then uh, the other thing, it's interesting. Somebody asked me if, like, when I'm riding in the sand, if the rear wheel spinning up adds some stability to the bike, and I started I started thinking about it, and so so I went and like on purpose spun the spun the bike more. You know, the, the thing is, is, is cause the, the, the rear wheels spinning and I was getting it going really fast, probably like 40 miles an hour. And I was doing maybe 15 or 20 and I, and I was trying to see if I could feel any, any effect. And I really couldn't because I think at that point that the traction is playing a bigger role or it's not allowing the, you know, whatever the traction is doing, it's not, you know, to get the wheel spinning up like that. Cause I went out and did it on hard pack as well and, and, and got it spinning and then tried to, you know, tried to feel any stability. And I think since the wheel's spinning around the, you know, the wheel's spinning and that's at that point when it's spinning like that and it's trying to grab, that's almost like the, the center of the bike. And it's also in relation to the, you know, because at that point it's trying to lift, it's lift up and it's sort of pivoting on that as opposed to pivoting someplace else. And then it was also the, the engine in order to spin the tire up like that, the engine was revving. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of in tandem and yes, when it's revving up. So, so the other thing I did was I, I started going off of a little jump and trying to turn off the jump, low RPM and high RPM to see if I could feel the wheel. And then I started noticing since the 
that everything's interconnected engine RPM is really hard to get the wheel spinning up that high with a low RPM in the motor. So I couldn't, I couldn't do any sort of a test, but that's the kind of weird stuff that I'll actually go out and try to feel to see if there's some, there's something to it, you know, especially for, you know, teaching, you know, I want to be able to teach this when we're in the school and explain it, but then just for my own kind of curiosity on how this, you know, when you get, when you get my age, Logan, and you can't do all this stuff that you want to do, you know, as far as like, you know, I want to do those scrubs off the jumps and, and, you know, all the, the, the things that kid, you know, all the stuff Paul Tours is now doing on all the damn adventure bikes. And now he's riding around on dirt bikes and making us all look silly. It's like, I want to do that, but I want to ride tomorrow. I don't want to go to the hospital. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. A bit. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so I, I do these control experiments so, so I can, I can feel like I, I'm doing something better than somebody else. <laughs> what was that testing myself? Testing myself. Yeah, I'm te- well, I'm, te- I'm testing. Yeah, testing. Kind of, kind of trying to figure out stuff. So, yeah. How's that shoulder? Good. Yeah. Still hurt. Uh, very minimally. Very minimally. Can you tell when it's going to rain? <laughs> uh, I don't know what. I've heard You're... people say that, but I have no clue what it. Well, you need to go someplace where it rains first. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. We live in Valley of the Dirt People, which is kind of like an acronym for dust and dirt. So, uh, yeah. What's the next one? Um. E. Oh, got another name. Ekila. Ek. Ek. Ekila. Well, if you change that E to an F. <laughs> It'd be fuckilla, but it's ikilia. <laughs> Got it. Uh, I need a video of you using the rabaconda. No, you don't. <laughs> I have one like you. I'm nowhere near being able to bust them out like they do on their videos. Did we do this question last time? Do you remember this? No, I don't remember it. No. Yeah, something something reminds me of this. Maybe I read it and I just remember it now. Um, I'd like to see what hangs you up and how you deal with it. Well, I'll tell you right now, I drink a beer before I change tires. Straight up, like almost every time. It's just a good way to, you know, because beer makes it fun is what I always say. And so I'm going to have a good time changing the tires. So I have myself a beer and that's how we get started. <laughs> the right attitude. It does take that good attitude. Yeah. Um, went with a gummy on my rear with the the moose, and it won't be long before I have to wrestle with that thing again. Not really happy with the fatty on the front either, so I'll probably be changing them both. Uh, going to be going through oh. some beer well, he's on already, that day. See, I, he already had... I, that, that wasn't even a useful comment that I just made. He already, he's already going to do that. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get a video out, but I, I got to learn how to use it better. It's just like anything. It takes practice. That is a tool that requires a certain amount of finesse, and there's a certain... I'm, it's just like changing a tire in general. There's certain angles that you want to use the Rabicond out. There's certain places where you fold the tire irons down. And to me, it's, I'm still in the learning phase of it. And, uh, it definitely made stuffing, um, you know, rally sized moose into tires easier, uh, because 
for some reason, I was able to keep the the tire from popping off the rim because the, the big mooses really want to have them. It's really hard to keep the 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 moose on on the rim. So um, when I get good at it, I will do I'll do a video, um, or maybe I should do a video now, not publish it, and then show you what I looked like and then how I improved. That'd probably be the way to do it, right? Because I'm not afraid to show you <laughs> wrong, but I don't want to advertise it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, I saw Victor says, uh, which climb jacket do you recommend for long adventure rides? My wife is complaining that the Army surplus parka is not cutting it. Uh, <laughs> um, man, they, they have, they have, I run like the Latitude. There's the Latitude jacket and there's another one called the, I can't remember. The reason I'm confused is because I'm actually testing some prototype thing that's a that's new that's kind of along those lines but different it's and and it's really good it's more like kind of a shell it's meant to wear with like some protection stuff underneath it and uh so i'm all confused on which ones are which but um it's like the the latitude or on i guess on their skill would be the one less but i i do not wear the like the dakar jacket um uh, but definitely George, not the Badlands Pro. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's uh, that's even out of my price league and stuff. I mean, that is a, that's a really nice jacket, but I prefer something a little more a little more simple. And uh, oh, I wish I remembered the name of the 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 one that the other ones that I run. So good, yeah. Your your wife will love it when you give her whatever hand me down <laughs> that you're gonna replace yours with. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, Chad Johnson. Hi, Jimmy. Keep up with the great info. Heal up fast, Logan. It's great to hear Johnny, Ricky, and Andrew race slash Dakar stories on your show. There's a Husaberg 570 for sale here in... Uh, Got it. Then, he, he, I beat you to it. Yeah. I didn't, yeah <laughs> you didn't expect light. it, right? Yeah. It's, been, it's been a little light on the Husaberg talk lately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the ad reads as if you wrote it, telling how great and how much horsepower it has. You, you know, you know, I'm actually, uh, I've been going to Husaberg's Anonymous, Logan. <laughs> I, uh, I admitted I had the problem. And so you saw that it was sitting out. Jimmy actually over there, you, when your dad rolled up, he goes, oh, I see you had the Berg out. And I'm like, well... Yeah, I, I answered it kind of subtly. I, I didn't, I didn't really. I, well, so I'll tell you what happened. Uh, that, uh, well, so uh, you know, I I usually ride it in the school, and and since I've you know I've been having to ride these like you know piddly little KTM five hundreds and three fifties lately. Um, you, you know, I I I I really lust after the Husaberg. I want to ride it, so I actually pulled it out and put it on the apron, and I filled it up with gas. And I just let it sit, and I walked by it, and I didn't, I didn't ride it. So I think I'm, I think I'm getting, getting, uh, I'm doing okay. I mean, I did start it a couple times. Like, you know, when that thing starts, it just like just the noise that comes out of it. It's like, you know how you know, like Yamahas, like people know what how Yamahas sound. They make that throaty noise that comes out from underneath the seat. Like that's. Nothing compared to what this Hostberg sounds like. So if you if you if you think your Yamaha is fast, like you should ride a Hostberg. They're they're good. Yeah. Um, gyroscopic effect. Uh, 
Okay. What are we? Um, Doug Burrow. So which one would you choose? More East through like GNCC racing. Thanks for your opinion. Uh, you know, it'd be really good if Doug actually told us, <laughs> um, which, what he was referring to <laughs> between which would, would I choose? I think, oh man, was that, is that an email? I think it looks like it was an email. Oh, I know what he did. He put he put the two bikes in the subject line. Okay. okay, so he used and Bob, you do this too. You think the subject line on the email is like part of the stuff that I'm going to 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 read. You corrected me on that, and I quit doing. Okay, well, I'm just trying to bring you into the modern age, and that's like Logan corrects me when he takes his phone and points it at something, and he can read another language. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, like it, we're all learning. It's a it's a big learning curve around here. So I think he was asking about. Oh man, I feel bad, Doug, but it's because of your your uh, incompetence with the current means of communication. It's like you probably should have hit me up on Grinder. I think that's where I'm at. I'm registered <laughs> right now, and and then in the app and shot a couple pictures. And sent them over to me of what we're talking about, and then you know we then we talk it up. Um, so which one would I choose? I don't. I can't remember. I think it was YZ250 FX versus something. And uh, you're gonna have to email me back. I blew it. <laughs> Not on Grinder. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's. Uh, I think you're supposed to Twitter book face me. <laughs> yeah, that's or what do you chitter chatter? What do you guys do? Ding dong, TikTok. TikTok, you're TikToking it up. That's if you guys uh, keep doing that. I heard, I heard that the Chinese are gonna have all your information and then they're gonna take over. And if that happens, you'll never get Husabergs because they've tried to copy Husabergs before. <laughs> it didn't go well. <laughs> you uh, end up with the Jing Jangaberg. <laughs> Uh, Craig R, w- would you happen to remember your settings on the 2019 Sierra 450X that was in your fleet? Right off the top of my head. Settings for what? <laughs> like suspension clicks? Sag? The JD tuner? I don't know. The cam timing? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't... I no, I don't remember. I wouldn't remember, and I don't remember. And I'm pretty sure. It, here, in all honesty, here's here's the reason. Um, one of the reasons that uh, I actually do things like at dirt bike tests, where I actually like write the story, is because I'm never going to remember it. Because when I'm done with it, I'm done with it, and I'm on to the next thing. And so I actually write it down, and I write it in a place that's archived, and it's up on the internet, and it's for free, and you can look at it. And if you look at it, I might make the $19.19 that I made off of uh, YouTube <laughs> videos last month. That's our monetization, $19.19. That's a lot, Logan, right? Yeah. I'm going to wash bikes instead of doing this show. I could make way more money washing bikes. You should see me. I take my shirt and I pull it up here. You ever done this? Yeah. Take shirt? Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to do it because it scare everybody away. Then we'll be done. We'll get banned on YouTube. Now I'll make yeah. zero. But... uh no, it's hard. It's uh, hard for me to remember all these settings. So off the top of my head, no. But generally, I would like to refer someone to 
the test. And this is where George is really good, who's now sitting in his plush, well-lit office in uh, Sacramento because he's scared of Nevada because he has to buy me dinner every night when he comes here. Um, and I, I wonder if did he, I wonder if George left his three hundred here again. <laughs> um, so I didn't I didn't go check the garage that well. Uh, but I, I actually, I, I write it down there and then George puts the link up and you can find it if you're on the chat room on the Facebook thing. So you can go back and watch these videos sometimes on Facebook. And uh, I think the chat, the, the, the sidebar is still there. And uh, if you need to pick up some of this extra information, but search dirtbiketest.com. Uh, there's a lot of stuff up there. And generally when we do test a product or do some sort of a long-term bike uh, in a video format, you think about it, it's really hard to, to give out a setting. I mean, because you think about it, it's like you just want to go to the setting and you'd have to like, you can't just scroll through the video and hope you magically land the, the scroll bar on the spot when I talk about that. Um, but in, a, in an article, you can scroll down and, and find things. And this is why you kids need to quit watching all these videos and still remember how to read because it may come in. Or are you going to be able to ask Google to take me to the spot in the video where Jimmy tells me the setting of the CR450X fuel injector? Yeah. You'll be able to do that? Um, your YouTube's got a thing. A thing. Well, you need to figure out how that thing works, and then you need to figure out how to make it point dollar bills into my bank account. Uh, that's That'd be the most important thing. So, uh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, what was his name? Bob Johnson. Uh, Craig, Fred, Fred Smith, Craig R. Craig R. Yeah, sorry about that, Craig. I I I really don't remember, but I know it's published someplace, and uh, you, hopefully that gave you enough information to uh, to find it as well as a small slap on the wrist. Um, I think I've figured out why Victor gets kicked off of Facebook so often. Uh oh. <laughs> oh no, it's something we can't read out loud. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll go look at it. Something only the live people found. <laughs> oh, great. Ah. Um, early white. How did I find the factory TPS setting on a 2017 and a half KTM SXF 450? Mine has been tampered with. Thanks. Well, generally, you look in the owner's manual. And most KTM owner's manuals now are currently available online, and it gives you the exact setting. But what you will find is you're going to have a hard time uh, coming up with a tool. You're probably going to have to buy a tool to um, adjust and, and set that. But I will tell you that if, if yours has been tampered with, then you have nothing to lose. Um, you can actually... Um, if you if you get your idle close, because usually the TPS um, it's going to affect the idle quite a bit. So if your your bike's kind of idling rough and stuff like that, sometimes you can. If everything else is okay, there's a lot of times it's fuel filters and all kinds of little problems there. You can actually loosen that sucker up and just move it ever so slightly around a little bit. And if the bike, you know, it, it's kind of like playing with a. To me, it's like playing with a fuel screw on a two stroke. You can you can kind of adjust it and get to the point where it actually is is good, and then if you if you find that spot where it's just at idle, it's good. Then you can snug it down, and then you can check the throttle response. And it, does it seem like it's okay then? And you know, 
If it's not, then move it a little bit one way or a little bit the other way. You can actually ballpark it into a place where it's rideable, but to get it right, you're going to need a tool that reads off of, you know, it gives you the voltage reading of the TPS. Maybe you already have that, but the number, um, actually, you could probably do this, Logan. If you, if, Logan, if you um, picked up your phone and you said, you read that question into your phone, like that, that girl that, that's inside of your phone, do you have her? Yeah. I have a dude in mind. Um, he talks in a nice, deep voice. Says, yeah, Jimmy, I'll get that info for you right now. Um, the uh, it'll tell it'll probably tell you the reading you're supposed to get, or it'll refer to you some um, form where it's probably there, or it'll probably send you to the three or four guys that sell that tool that you uh, that you need. So that it, that answers question. Uh, yeah. Okay. Have we got any questions on the? Uh, on the on the chat there, besides Victor trying to get thrown in Facebook jail, what do they call the jail down in Mexico? The clink? What do they call the clink down there? <laughs> uh, got a question yet? Not yet. Um, no. This is good, good, good podcasting. Yeah, it's all quiet. Like you can hear the computer running. This is when we need the willy boy to be going up and down the street. Yeah. Um, let's see. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I see some comments. Uh, <laughs> uh, something about making a sandwich, that comment? Yeah. Oh, that comment's no big deal. Yeah. Your wife's are supposed to make you sandwiches. That's what you get wives for. You need to start telling your girlfriend that now. Hey, that's the other thing the guy said. He said he was pretty impressed with all the girlfriend tips he didn't know about. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> sitting backwards on the bike and all that stuff. Logan's dating tips. Um, okay. Uh, Tony Hicks, easiest way to change a tire. Grab the wrong end of the tire and in the presence of Jimmy, and he will grab the tire ends and push you aside. Yeah, that's a well-known trick. <laughs> so, okay. El Bote. Yeah, see, I can speak a Spanish. Victor helped me with that one before he get thrown in the El Bolte. Okay, everybody, I think we're kind of wrapping the sucker up. Um, you have any questions, Logan? Um, no, we don't have any reads at the end or anything. Why would you stick a um, rally size moose in a tire, in a normal size tire? Because uh, I want higher pressure. Okay. Like higher, like, cause I'm going to do like rally riding. Okay. And that's what the, so the rally mooses are generally bigger than a normal moose. It's a really tight yeah. fit. It's a, it's like a really stiff moose. And just like, you know, some people, when they ride off road, they run higher tire pressure than, yeah. than, um, like for motocross and stuff like that. That's what a big thick moose will do. Okay. Uh, when you, when you stuff it into the. You know, the normal size, normal size tire and rally tires in general are a little bit bigger too. So when I say I'm stuffing a rally moose in there, it's usually a rally moose that's been used by the rally guys. That's now a little longer good for them. And it, it's kind of free. Yeah. yeah. It kind of, it kind of came free. And so I put it in a normal size tire and it's still too big. And then it, I get, I get some rallies out of it too, but that's how we, that's how we do things around here. We use the, use the, you know, use everything to the takeoffs and stuff like that. Uh, makes it work out pretty good. So we should probably do that one one more time because you're going to tell everybody about the Hondas, even though you ride a KTM. Yeah. I want to, you know, up on dirt bike tests, there should be something on the CR450 RX real soon. I know um, uh, Scott and Trevor had one, 
and they compared it to the uh, KX450X. And so that should be coming out soon, but uh, they're doing it at the, at the pace they're getting paid for it, which is <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty free. And how would an analog voltmeter work? <laughs> uh, analog voltmeter. Is that, that's like licking the top of a nine volt battery, right? Exactly. Yeah, right. it works for me. <laughs> that's about, that's about as accurate as adjusting the TPS. Like I just told you to, you know, it's like, is that nine volt battery? Good. You put your, on your tongue, you go, yep. Or no. And that's how, you know, if I'm, so the, the joke, the joke on that last question was you're going to need a special tool. Um, and I don't know the number of the setting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. but you can, uh, 2021 Honda Sierra 450. What what did George just send me now? All new. That's last year's post. You know that you know that uh, they just they released 2022 Hondas already. Really? I'm pretty sure they that yeah I'm pretty sure that they released them already. So okay, um, got that. Um. Honda's new 2021 Sierra 450R is designed to take you straight from the starting gate to Victory Circle. Um, this awesome open-class motocrosser features all-new chassis, major engine overhaul, new suspension, and new bodywork. And you can forget about clutch fade adjustment and hand fatigue with the new hydraulic clutch system. Lighter than ever, the Sierra 450R explodes out of corners when it's time to increase your lead. So go on down to your local dealer to check out the 2021 Honda Sierra 450R Go to mx.honda.com to see our full lineup of competition bikes. The Sierra 450R is intended for a closed course operation only. That was that was almost as good as those two girls that you brought in here to read it last time. Uh, yeah, what happened to them? What what happened? What happened to our uh, our uh, assistants? Oh, um, they're. Helping one of their neighbors. That sounds nice, yeah. but not as not as good as like being here to support Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Yeah, got to get you know they got to do some better scheduling. Just tell them every Tuesday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday afternoon it's Tech Talk time. Are they coming in to help edit tomorrow? Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah. Oh, okay. You guys gonna re record the pre reads and all that stuff? Uh, sure. And you guys are starting your own podcast pretty soon. Um, all of the girls that showed up last week want to. Oh yeah, what are they? What, what are they going to talk about? Uh, God only knows. God only knows. They won't shut up. <laughs> well, let's, you know they got the equipment here. If they need yeah. to start the God only knows podcast. <laughs> And they can talk about whatever they want. It's open for them. I mean, if they want to talk about racing, because I, I thought they were going to come in and I was going to give them a hard time about race because they raced last weekend, right? Yeah. You know, you know, what was funny. Also funny is in the class. One of the guys in the class um, said, yeah, his daughter was out racing works. And he showed me he showed me a picture of the podium and his his daughter and uh, one of the other ones. Their name no starts with a B was no way. was on the podium as well. It's like, um, you know, women's seer or something like that. And um, so it was kind of it was kind of funny, and I was going to give him a hard time because the guy who comes to my class, like I was going to tell him that that the reason that his daughter beat hers because his dad's in the class getting lots of good information, passing it on down to the, mm -hmm. the kid, and that's that's why. So. <laughs> 
Anyhow, um, if you want a riding school, we have uh, some openings left. We have two more classes this year. You're gonna you're gonna be teaching at the next classes. Um, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. You know, you just can you can putt putt out there and still you know yell at the adults. Yeah. Like you should be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, you're you're you'll get close. Yeah. No no crashing. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, we have class in April, first part of April, and class in May. And I would be willing to bet that if you're here at the April class, you might get to see some factory rally guys hanging around. So um, all good on that. Okay, well, uh, thanks to everybody for joining. We have any last-minute questions? Nothing came in? Was it? Um. Oh. <laughs> Uh, someone throws up they should make a cooking class oh a cooking class <laughs> 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 that, 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 that was the same guy that said his wife is there to make him sandwiches <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> well that's good glad Heather isn't watching but um, yeah. that's because she's in the kitchen making me dinner <laughs> so and with that guys we will uh, hopefully see you out in the trail if I don't get murdered in the kitchen (laughs) cheers so that exciting episode of tech talk taco tuesday was brought to you by recluse recluse is a maker of incredible auto clutches and a whole lot more in the clutch department they make street bike clutches they make dirt bike clutches they have clutches for your adventure bike some of them are auto clutches they make a lot of replacement parts in the manual clutch their torque drive system there's little parts like slave units there's protection parts there's a left-hand rear brake all kinds of stuff for your clutch and transmission even oil so if you need to know a little bit more about recluse you can always check them out at www.recluse.com that's spelled r-e-k-l-u-s-e proudly designed and manufactured in idaho Remember to support all of the sponsors that support this show, and we will see you in the next episode.